Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Epicos Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information about Epicos, please visit epicos.org. Yes, so this morning's sermon will be titled Hope in the Coming Judgment. Uh, we're going to be looking at the, the 20th chapter of Revelation, and we're going to continue on in what what. Pastor Frank had started us off with last week in our sermon series and how God has a purpose and a plan and there is hope in the book of Revelation that this is something that we shouldn't fear. It's not a scary book. Uh, Now the book can be kind of confusing with some of the symbolism and such, but uh, Pastor Frank did put on the hub last week a lot of resources to help you to get a greater understanding of what the book of Revelation is speaking of. And today's book, uh, we're going to be looking at the 20th chapter, and as we get ready to start that, I just wanted to talk a little bit about us as Epicos Church. Um, One of the beautiful things about Epicos Church is that we are a multi-site church, we're a multi-ethnic church, We, we come from a lot of different faith traditions and backgrounds, and we bring a lot of different things to the table as far as who we are. And one of the things that I've really loved is the diversity that we have in our worship and and the music and the things that we sing. Uh, Some Sunday mornings, we are right down that Christian contemporary uh, lane. Uh, We heard a great song that was actually written by our worship team, uh, You're Still Good. And so, you know, it was just an amazing song. For a lot of us, that's that's our groove, that's our jam. And for some of us, we really like the traditional hymnals. And so when we hear the old hymnals, it brings us back to a place of our, 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 our faith journey. It might be songs that we've heard growing up, and we really love the groove of an old hymnal. For me, um, in my church experience and background, uh, we sang a lot of hymnals, we sang a lot of contemporary stuff and, and some of the more traditional gospel stuff. But for me, there's a certain genre of music uh, that I like to introduce this morning, and it's more on the old school line of a hymnal uh, and a spiritual. Uh, someone even called it back in the day the old Negro spirituals, but we're just going to say it's just old spiritual right now because I'm not that old, but you know. Um, and there was one particular song as I was preparing for this sermon that I've been humming over these last couple weeks. And it's a very simple song, and it's called While the Blood is Still Running Warm in Your Veins. You mind if I sing it this morning? All right. Okay. Okay. While the blood is running warm in your veins, while the blood is running warm in your veins, you had better, oh, you had better get religion. And try and try to serve the Lord while the blood is running warm in your veins. Amen. Amen. 
Now, this simple song that I just sang is a simple reminder. And as I could say, it's been something that's just been kind of playing through my head as I was preparing this sermon about us and our journey in this life. And this song is a reminder to us that that we have opportunity while we're still here, while we still have breath in our bodies, while we still have activities of our, of our limbs, when we have full function of our bodies. Quite simply, while the blood is still running warm in our veins, we have an opportunity to get it right with Jesus. And this is going to be part of our conversation as we're exploring this 20th chapter of Revelation. And this 20th chapter of Revelation really opens up uh, about what life is going to look for us on the other side. And more specifically, it talks about two judgments, that there are two judgments that we're going to explore. The first judgment is the judgment seat of Christ which is the judgment for believers. And the second judgment is known as the great white throne judgment. And that is the judgment of non-believers. Amen. Before we journey any further, would you join me for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we love you, O God. We just ask that you continue to be with us, O God, during this time that you continue to speak to us through your word. Uh, Help us not only to draw closer to you and your word, but help us to draw closer to one another. This is our prayer, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For myself, I've been in pastoral ministry now for over 25 years. And In pastoral ministry, I've had this great opportunity to serve in different capacities. And prior to me joining staff here at Epicos Church, I used to work professionally as a hospital chaplain. And in hospital chaplaincy, you have a a great opportunity, uh, amazing opportunity to do ministry. And literally, it changes every day. Um, as, a, as a hospital chaplain, sometimes we would have specific floors or units that we would work with, and other times we would just be available to anyone in the hospital. Um, one time, as I was uh, working on the uh, unit, uh, and I was preparing my day to see my patients, normally when the shift would start, I would get a census of the, the patients that were available, those who actually want to see a chaplain, and I would check in with the head nurse to see if there were any uh, pertinent situations that I need to attend to. Upon meeting with our head nurse that day, uh, he had informed me that there was a particular patient that was uh, very anxious. Uh, She really wanted to see the chaplain and was waiting for me to arrive. And so this particular patient, we'll, we'll call her Judith today, uh, I went to go see Judith, and as I read her, uh, her demographics of who she was, I discovered that she was a young woman. She was about 38 years old, but she was terminally ill. She was uh, terminal with a form of cancer. And upon meeting Judith, um, I met her, and she was somewhat in a panic. She was very agitated, and upon speaking to her, 
she said, Chaplain Anthony, I, I, just, I just really need to get something straight with you. Let me tell you what's going on with me. I'm sick. I have cancer. I know I'm going to die soon. And I'm just really afraid because when I die, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I grew up in church. I, I believe I have an understanding of who Jesus is and what the Bible says about Jesus. But I'm really afraid about what's going to happen when I die. And Pastor Anthony, I, I don't want to go to hell. And I said, okay, let's, let's talk about it. And I had noticed that she had a Bible by her bed that she had been looking at. And she said, I have been going through this Bible and I've been trying to make certain that I'm going to be all right after I die. And so this is one of these opportunities that uh, a lot of pastors and chaplains, we, we, we live for these opportunities. It's like, okay, this is rubber meets the road. This person really wants to know about the gospel right now. And so I led her through what Pastor Frank had uh, taught on earlier in our series in the book of Romans. I led her through the Romans road of salvation. And we looked at some of the different scriptures that spoke specifically about salvation and who Jesus was and how she can be secure in her salvation. Particularly Romans, the 10th chapter, verses 9 and 10, which reads as follows. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Amen. We read those words. I prayed with Judith. I spent about maybe... 10 minutes with her. And after the 10 minutes, I, I, I wrote down some of the scriptures in Romans for her to refer back to. And her demeanor had totally changed. She had got calm. She, she was more relaxed. And she expressed to me that she really believed that she knew Jesus. And what we read in that scripture, she, she took to heart and she said, yes, I do hold on to that. I do believe in Jesus. I, I, I feel him in my heart and I feel confident that I will see him. I said, amen. And so upon leaving my visit, I told Judith that I had a few more patients on the floor that I will just make, drop in and, and, and see and I said, you know what, before I leave the floor, I will come by and I'll say goodnight to you. And I'll make sure that I come see you tomorrow because I'll be working a shift tomorrow. She thanked me and I went to go on with my shift. As I was returning back to Judah's room, as I finished that floor, before I went to go see my other patients on other floors, Judith was gone. In a matter of 10 minutes of me meeting with her, in a matter of 10 minutes of me praying with her, in a matter of Judith making a, another personal public confession of her faith in Jesus, Jesus has, Judith had left this reality. Judith had died. And just in that 10 minutes, she was gone. 
And that brings us as we are transitioning on to how our lives are but like a vapor and how things can pass and change very quickly. And as a hospital chaplain, I've had the pleasure to be present for a lot of people to help them journey as they transition to be there as they have witness and witnessing them taking their last breaths on this side of life. And so this brings us to our first point, and which is a question. So what happens when we die? So what happens when we die? Now, I know this is a harsh truth for some to hear, but we must speak of these truths. When we die, we go to either one of two places, heaven or hell. When we die, we go to one of two places, heaven or hell. Now, there are some belief systems that have uh, said that uh, when we die, or, or some people have some beliefs that they believe that once we die, we, we just close our eyes in this life and we pass into nothingness and that it's just over with and that there's nothing. It's like when you go to sleep and you close your eyes and there's just nothing. There are some belief systems that believe that when we die, that we have an opportunity to be in a holding place to kind of figure things out before we get to our final destination. There are some belief systems that just say, and some people that say that, oh, well, you know, when we die, you know, we, we just don't know. Well, um, Scripture gives us somewhat an idea of what happens, and pretty much from a recollection that Luke had recorded in the ninth, in the 16th, I'm sorry, the eighth, 16th chapter, verses nine, in 19 through 31, is an account of a story that Jesus had told about a beggar by the name of Lazarus and a rich man. In this particular bit of scripture, it speaks about the lives that the rich man had lived. He lived a very lavish life, and his lavish life didn't lead to him. What left to him is in his afterlife. But it goes on to speak of how Lazarus' life was as a poor beggar who would love to have the scraps that the rich man had. But upon both of their deaths, there is a description of what happened to both of them. That upon both of their deaths, of them leaving this side of what we know as life, everything that they were, their essence, their, their, the sensory, who they were as, as people were still intact. And it goes on to describe how Lazarus was taken into paradise in the comfort of fellow believers. Uh, the scripture uh, is often quoted saying, particularly in the old King James Version, he was in the bosom of Abraham. And so this is what this is speaking of, of them being in the comfort of fellow believers. On the other side of that, we find the rich man who did not have a relationship with God is in torment, torment, eternal torment, so much that he could see, and this is this, this incredible 
picture that is painted of there is a great chasm between the two destinations that neither could cross. But the rich man could see into paradise. And he just asked if Lazarus could yet dip his finger in water to quench the torment and the burning of his tongue. That he would just want a little bit of relief from a bit of water, a drop of water. This goes on to speak into us what we're going to further explore and get into as far as the judgments and what we have in store for us as believers and what is in store for us as non-believers. And this is a something that we want to explore, particularly as we get into it, looking at the first judgment, and that is the judgment, the great the, the, the judgment of Jesus, that is the judgment seat of Jesus. And this is coming from our scripture in Revelation, the 20th chapter, verses 4 through 6. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And I saw the souls of those that had been beheaded in the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on, his forehead, on their foreheads and hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years had ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests to God in Christ, and they will reign for him for a thousand years. Amen. Okay, this bit of scripture is highly debated amongst scholars, and from different theological perceptions, there are a lot of arguments that take place as far as the details of this thousand years when, when this judgment takes place. Uh, some of the arguments are amillennialism, premillennialism, postmillennialism, and guess what? This morning, we're not getting into any of those arguments. Amen. And there's a reason why we're not getting into any of those arguments, because sometimes we can get so caught up in the debate of when it's going to happen, when we're not looking at the fact that it is going to happen, that Jesus will be in judgment of us all, good and bad. And there's a second thing that we need to take a look at and, and, and be very uh, familiar with as far as this first judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. This judgment is not a trial. This is not an opportunity for us to plead our cases on anything. This is uh, God's judgment. This is Jesus's judgment. And particularly for believers, this is not a judgment. Now hear me clearly on this. This is not a judgment on whether you're getting into heaven or not. In the believer's judgment, you have already been sealed. You have already had your name written in the book of life. 
This judgment that is being uh, talked about in this believer's judgment, the, the judgment seat of Christ, is a judgment where all of us as believers will be judged off of our actions and our deeds and how we live for Christ. And this is going to examine our lives in giving us our reward on how we lived our, our lives for Christ. And this judgment also explains not only what we did, as it says, for what we did, whether good or bad, Jesus looks at our intentions and what we, uh, of the works that we were doing. I just wanted to make this clear that, yes, this is not a judgment to, what, to, to see whether you get into heaven or not, because you have been sealed by your faith in Jesus and your salvation is secure in him. And so this is what the, the, the judgment seat of Christ looks like for believers. Now, as we move on, we move on to our second judgment. And that judgment is known as the great white throne judgment. And this is coming from Revelation, the 20th chapter, verses 11 to 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. For his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were open. Then another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged for what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Amen. This second judgment, this great white throne judgment, is the judgment for non-believers. As the scripture has said that there was, that there was no hiding place, that an event will take place that none of us have never could see, and from its description really doesn't give that great of a description. It's something that is just beyond imagination, where... What is known that we're known as of heaven, earth, and sky will be pulled back. And we'll be, they'll be in a place that has never been seen before for judgment. And it speaks of all non-believers from all time. As it says, the sea gave up its dead. For, and, and those that were great and small. All non-believers from all time, just as with all, non, as with all believers in the first judgment, all non-believers from all time would be brought forth. And when, while they're brought forth, books giving the detail of all that they have done, every account of everything that has been done will be brought forth. And used in judgment against them. 
As I stated before with the first, uh, the first judgment for believers, the judgment scene of Christ, what was done will be brought before them, but unlike with the believers in Christ, everything that was brought before in the great white throne judgment will be used against them because they are not covered under the blood of Jesus. There is no grace for them under Jesus because at some point, Jesus, belief in God, had been rejected. And so with this rejection, with this not accepting of God's grace and love, they are judged accordingly to what they have done. And the scripture says that their names are not found in the book of life. And so the end result is death, hell, those whose names aren't in the book of life are picked up and cast into the lake of fire. This is the second judgment for non-believers. But as we get ready to close, and I know this is some heavy stuff. I can see it all over y'all. It's, it's some heavy stuff. You're thinking about it. How is there hope in this? And we want you to be encouraged in knowing that we have a living hope. We want you to be encouraged in knowing that we have a living hope because right now, as with the song that I sang earlier, as we started this sermon, every single one of us, if we haven't gotten it right with Jesus, we have an opportunity to do it right now. While the blood is still running warm in your veins, you have an opportunity to get it right with Jesus. We live in this great hope of what Jesus is doing because we find that as we have come to this place in this journey, as we're getting on to a new city, and when Pastor Frank concludes us in our series and, and he shows us in Revelation of what it's like, going to be like getting to the new city, we have this great hope that God loves us so much that he is working out his infinite purpose and plan. And that the things that have torn this world down, the, 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 the sin, the death, all of those things eventually will be dealt with. Nothing that's out of God's understanding. Nothing is out of God's control. And Jesus, who is not only our loving Savior and our loving Redeemer, is also our judge. But he does this out of love for us. But I do implore you, if you don't know Jesus, know that today is the day of salvation. That, that today is the day to, to confess him and, 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 and have him come into your hearts. So you can be redeemed by his blood and his sacrifice that is open and free to us all. Don't reject him. Do it while you have a chance. Because brothers and sisters, as I get ready to close, it is better to settle out of court before you meet the judge. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we love you, O oh God. We just ask that you continue to be with us, O oh God, in the midst of your word, O oh God. 
We thank you for being a loving God. We know that you love us and care for us and you want the best for us. Help us to not only live, continue to glorify your name in all that we do and share your glorious love to all that we come across. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.